I'm going to begin my message, but I just want the Lord to have his way tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. Amen. Once again, it's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate Brother and Sister Hughes. Had an honor to be in the presence of Brother Kilgore. Chapter 21, verse 1, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. The priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. The young men have kept themselves at least from women. David said, David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, the women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy. And the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priests gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of his servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. David said unto Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Focus your attention on verse number 9. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth, Behind the ephod. Thou wilt take that, take it. There is no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. David, there is a sword. There is a weapon. There is a source of victory. But David, if you're going to get to victory, You're going to have to first go to its hiding place. I preach tonight victory's hiding place. Victory's hiding place. Would you lift your hands to heaven right now? God, there are people in this building that desperately need victory. They need a touch from the Holy Ghost. They need the liberty of the Spirit. And I know of a surety. That you are in this building and you desire to move greater than we desire you to move. I'm asking, Lord, that you would remove every spirit that opposes the work and the mind of God. Remove every obstacle, Lord, that we have erected as humanity. Every barrier that we have made, remove it tonight, God. For we desperately need a move of your spirit. Can we clap our hands under the Lord?
Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. The human nature, humanity is quite intriguing when you consider the fact that every individual is made different. Regardless of how identical they may look, they're different. Every person has different thought patterns, different behaviors, different ways of life, different nuances. Even if you've been married 20 years, you still, there's things that you see about that person that it's just, there's just things that stand out. It's, uh, humanity is different. It's, it's intriguing. More specifically, how humans act when things are lost. Many people especially if you've had small children, you'll understand that there are times that you have spent hours looking for something that that child hid because they were playing. I know in my house there have been many times where my keys have been found in little girls' purses in the toy box because they thought that those were a play set of keys, but there was nothing playing about those keys. Lost. Lost. Now they have apps for phones where you can locate your phone if your phone is lost. Some people spend their entire lives traveling around the world looking for a lost treasure. Lost. The Bible talks about things that are lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The shepherd left the ninety-nine. To save that one sheep that was lost. The woman cleaned and swept her whole house looking for the one lost coin. It's inevitable with humanity there will be times when things go missing. Things are lost. And and the human reaction to lost objects is intriguing. But take it a step further and the human reaction To hidden things is even more intriguing. Why did they hide it? Who hid it? Where did they hide it? You know as a child that you spent countless hours playing a very simple game called hide and seek. Dogs hide bones. People hide secrets. Children hide toys. Hiding. Some people go to great lengths to hide things. I remember the story of a man they make it in the Bible. And the Lord told the children of Israel, if you want victory, then you cannot take anything out of Jericho. It's a curse. You know the story. They went to a little town named Ai, and they were conquered, or they did not were not able to conquer Ai. And the Lord told told Joshua, Joshua, there are some things hidden, and he went on an all-out search to find what was hidden. He found a man named Achan. He found what was in the tent, and he was stopping at nothing because he wanted to find. What was hidden? See, if you want something bad enough, you'll find where it's hidden. If you want something bad enough, you'll go to any lengths to find it. And can I tell you tonight, your victory's not going to find you. But if you want it bad enough, you'll do anything it takes to get your victory. 
If you want it bad enough, you'll put your pride on the pew and say, pride, you can stay here. I've got to find my victory. Victory. See, victory is not the absence of struggles or problems, but rather it's a condition of the spirit which says, regardless of what I have to face, if God be for me, there ain't a devil in hell that can bring me down. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to get tired of depression. You got to get tired of being beat up by the devil and say, whatever it takes. I want victory. Victory's not going to find you. Victory's got a hiding place. David, in our text, is fleeing from his life because Saul has ordered David to be killed. Second Samuel chapter 21, the Bible records David came to the priest named Ahimelech. It was there that David began to ask for something to eat. I'm weary in my body. I've got men. I need something. And, and you know the story. He, he said, well, I've got sacred bread. And he gave uh, the sacred bread. But David also, he said, well, I don't have a weapon with me. I don't have a source of victory with me. I, I don't have anything with me to conquer Saul if he were to come my way. Ahimelech, do you have anything in the house. Ahimelech looked at David and said, David, there is a weapon. It's the sword of Goliath, David. You're, you know what that sword is like. You've gripped that sword before, David. You've had victory with that same sword before. You're familiar with the victory. But David, there's a place that it's hidden. If you're going to get the victory... First, you have to go to the ephod. See, David knew what the sword was all about. David had used that same sword for spiritual conquering and physical conquering before. He knew what the sword was. He knew what the victory was like. But he was introduced to a new element. He stood face to face with the ephod. He had never, he had never encountered the ephod before. And if he wanted victory, he was going to have to first go through the ephod. See, the ephod was introduced to us in the book of Exodus, and they shall make the ephod of gold, sky blue, dark red, and crimson dyed wool and twisted linen. And before the high priest could enter into the tabernacle, he had to first put on the ephod. You see, he, he went into the place of, uh, of the altar of burnt offering. He went into the brazen laver and, and the holy place and the altar of incense and the table of showbread, the golden candlesticks uh, and the holy of holies. Uh, but he had to first uh, put on the ephod uh, because the ephod was the garment of worship and praise. Uh, the garment that first had to be worn by the priest. Uh, and he didn't go to the holiest of holies and get victory first. He put on the garment first. 
and then secured his victory. See, we got way too many people that base their praise off of their victory and they won't worship until God's done it. Friend, that ain't how it works. You put on the garment first and you praise him like he already did it. My praise ain't based on what God's done. My praise is based off of who he is. And even if he doesn't do it like I want it, I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to magnify the Lord. See, the children of Israel should have danced before he parted the Red Sea. They should have danced in advance for what God was going to do. And we talk about them like, like, like it would never happen to us. But how many times in our own lives do we want to see God do it first before we praise him? We want to see God part our Red Sea before we give him the praise he's worthy of. Friend, you put on the garment first. You put on the ephod first. The glory of God was not revealed until after the worship happened. Until after the word, the priest did not go in uh, and get the anointing uh, and then come out and perform the act of worship. No, uh, they worshiped first and then God gave Israel the victory. Victory is hiding behind your worship. Can it be that the reason some of us don't have victory is because we haven't put on the ephod in a long time? Could it be the reason we struggle to get to service after service after service and we have no joy? It's because victory is hiding behind the ephod. Victory is hiding behind the worship. See, victory doesn't precede worship. Worship precedes victory. And regardless of what happens in your life, you got to put on the ephod. you got to put on the ephod. See, see, David figured out this ephod real quick. You follow the life of David through 1 Samuel. The next place he came, when he was in a predicament, he needed to know of what the Lord was going to do in 1 Samuel chapter 23. He said, Abiathar, bring me the ephod. I know where victory's hiding place is. I know where I need to go to get a word from God. And when he put on the ephod, the Bible said that Saul could not find him and because the Lord had protected him. See, you've got to understand, when you put on the ephod, the Lord builds up a hedge. And the enemy could be gunning for your soul. But there's no way he could find you because you're in victory's hiding place. It would do some of us some good to go put on the ephod again and begin to dance before the Lord. You go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. David comes to a place named Ziklag. He gets to Ziglag, and the Bible said it's burned to the ground. Wives are gone. Children are gone. You've got to understand what Ziglag meant in David's life. David, once again, was fleeing for his life just a couple chapters earlier. He, came to, he comes to a man named Achish. He said, Achish, can I stay with you? I'm running for my life. He said, No. You can't stay with me, but I'll give you Ziklag. 
You and your men can stay in Ziglag. Ziglag was a place of refuge. Ziglag was a place of liberty. Ziglag was where David and his men could go and not have to worry about fleeing for his life. It was his, it was his safe place. It was his land of liberty. He comes to Ziglag and the wives are gone. The sons and the daughters are gone. Now, I'm not going to stay here, but I'll pause here. You've got to notice something. When they took the wives, they took their ability to reproduce. And when they took their children, they took their future. And that's still the enemy's goal for the church. He wants to take our ability to reproduce, and he wants to take our future. But, honey, there's got to be something rise up in your soul that says it doesn't matter what I have to go through. There's something I'm going to fight for. I'm going to fight for my future. I'm going to fight. So David lost his wives and he lost his children. But what bothered David the most, in my opinion, was his liberty came under attack. No longer was it the safe place. No longer was his place of refuge. No longer did he have the liberty that he desired. And there are many of us that once danced in the Holy Ghost. There are many of us that once didn't care about what happened. In a service, the only thing that mattered was putting on the ephod and worshiping God. We had liberty like we've never known. But the enemy stepped into your camp, and he's robbed you, and he's come against your body. But, friend, what ought to bother you the most is that he took your liberty. Because you ain't dancing like you once did. You're not rolling like you once did. You're, you're, you're more worried about what everybody thinks about you. Then you are about the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Liberty. Liberty. And the Bible said that David and those men, they wept until they had no more power to weep. That's where the enemy wanted them to stay, weeping over what's lost. And there are people that have put it in park, and they've never moved beyond the weeping. They've never moved beyond the grieving over what's lost in their life. They've never moved over weeping over what's happened in their life and what the enemy is doing in their life. But there came a point. David said, you know what? This weeping business ain't going to cut it. The Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. See, there's going to come a time where your husband ain't going to be able to encourage you. Your wife ain't going to encourage you. Your friend ain't going to encourage you. And your pastor at times can't even encourage you. You can't stop waiting on somebody else to lift your spirit. But you got to begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. I don't know what he thought about. Perhaps he thought about the day that the lion was delivered into his hand. Perhaps he thought about the day that the bear came and God enabled him to kill it. Perhaps he thought about past victories. Regardless, there had to come a point where he lifted his spirits. And then he said, Abiathar, bring me the ephod. I know what I need victory in my life. I know where to find it. I know when I need victory. I got to go to victory's hiding place. 
And I got, I don't know what he did. Perhaps he spent just a little time dancing before the Lord and worshiping before the Lord. But regardless of what he did or what time, he knew that the ephod was where victory was. I'm telling somebody tonight, could it be that the victory that your heart desires and your spirit desires is hiding behind your praise and behind your worship? And if you want it bad enough, I'm telling you where it's hiding. You just got to begin to magnify the Lord and praise His holy name. The ephod doesn't care who's around. And we have raised up a generation that only praises to the beat of a drum and a certain song. We have raised up a generation that can only praise if it's a certain tempo of a song. We have raised up a generation that equates praise with emotionalism. Friend, it's two totally different things. You can get an emotional high at a concert, but you, you don't. And we wonder why when the storm starts raging, we, we have children leaving the church and teenagers leaving the church because we've taught them that you don't have to praise to make it through it. rely on goosebumps to get us through a Sunday night. We rely on goosebumps and we call it a spiritual high. Friend, you don't have to have music to go to the ephod. You just got to want victory bad enough. Depression is not a disease. Anxiety is not a disease. It all goes back to a spirit of heaviness. And the Bible said, for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. Friend, you ain't going to counsel your way out of depression. You're going to praise your way out of depression. You're not going to medicate your way out of anxiety. You're going to praise your way out of anxiety. You gotta want victory bad enough uh, that regardless of who's around you, uh, give me the ephod uh, and I'm gonna worship the Lord. Oh, is there anybody that wants to worship Him tonight? Is there anybody that wants to magnify His name? I wonder for 30 seconds uh, if we can magnify the name of Jesus.
Come on a moment longer. Let the praises of God come out of your spirit. I'm telling you, if you'll begin to praise Him, somebody's going to get victory in the building tonight. I don't need music to praise Him. I just got to want victory bad enough. I don't care what you think about me, neighbor. I'm too tired of being in this situation. I'm tired of being depressed. I want victory. I want victory. I want victory in my life. I want victory in my life. I'll praise you, God. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to praise you. It doesn't make sense, but I'm praising you. I wonder what would happen if we all obeyed the Holy Ghost and just did what the Holy Ghost told us to do. Oh, whatever the Lord tells you to do, just do it. Come on, come on, somebody praise him. These altars are open. If you want to praise him, step out of those pews and come praise him. Somebody's going to get victory tonight. Somebody's going to get victory tonight.